0: When you look into the mirror of Hinduism, you see yourself as a dynamic being with the powers to act, do, and think every moment of your life. Namaste and welcome to the River of Wisdom podcast. I'm your guide by the side, Swamini B. Let us flow, you and I, on the banks of the river of wisdom. When we were children, our parents and caregivers served as mirrors for us. If they thought we were lovable and acceptable, then it's likely that we saw ourselves as lovable and acceptable. If they thought that we were not okay, then a lifelong journey of trying to be okay with oneself and the world began. We kept looking for other mirrors as we grew up trying to make sense of the world and trying to make sense of our lives. School friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, jobs, partners, our children became mirrors to us reflecting who we were or rather we wanted them to reflect who we were. We want the brands we buy, the spaces we live in The furniture we buy to reflect us, our unique personalities. Our search for mirrors that reflect us as we really are continues. Our search for mirrors that will help us make sense of where we are in the landscape of life also continues. One such mirror we looked into was religion. If religion was presented to us as a set of beliefs, practices, and rituals that were not explained, many of us were put off by religion. Of course, religion, particularly organized religions, seem to have contributed so much to violence and so many wars. Even ideologies seeking to replace religions such as communism, socialism, capitalism, Have resulted in mass scale exploitation and violence. We looked to the humanities and science as possible mirrors. While they have served a purpose, they still are inadequate. Definitely, it seemed better for a lot of us to be spiritual and not religious. It's only in the last hundred years that the division between spirituality and religion has grown stronger while earlier these words were used interchangeably. In almost all religions of the world, religion has two aspects. One, moral principles which reflect universal ethics to lead a good life. Religions tell us to speak the truth, do good to others, not to lie, steal or cheat, and to be kind. The second aspect is the idea of God, the world, and the many organized rituals, practices and beliefs, some of which are exclusive to the religion and, honestly, border on dogma. Some examples of these exclusive beliefs are, one can be saved only by a particular God. It is wrong to call upon God by any other name than the one sanctioned by that religion. The teaching of God is limited only to a particular prophet or incarnation. These kind of beliefs, which are exclusive, end up dividing the world into believers and non-believers who have to be conquered or converted. There is nothing universal about these beliefs. The first aspect of religion, that is the universal values and ethics, is really preliminary and foundational for the spiritual path. The second aspect of exclusive beliefs and one's religion being better than the other has created more problems. It really is no wonder that people have been turned off by organized religion. Wikipedia tells us that Swen Erlinson in as recent as 2000 coined the term spiritual but not religious. Surveys asking about religious identity across the world show that an increasing number of people across the world now identify themselves as spiritual but not religious. Linda A. Mercadante categorizes people who are spiritual but not religious into very interesting five distinct categories. dissenters casuals, explorers, seekers and immigrants. The first are the dissenters, the people who got turned off by organized religion and chose to never go back. The second group of spiritual but not religious people are casuals, the ones who see religious or spiritual practices as improving their functionality. They look at spiritual practices only for personal well-being to better their health, their finances, relieve stress, and for emotional support. The third group are the explorers, who are much like spiritual tourists. They enjoy a destination-less journey and have no intentions of committing to a spiritual home. The fourth group are the seekers, Those people who are looking for a spiritual home and are willing to delve deeper and show a greater commitment. The fifth are the immigrants who are trying to settle into their spiritual identities. Whether you are a dissenter, a casual, an explorer, a seeker, or an immigrant, if you are spiritual but not religious, there is something in Hinduism as a mirror for everyone. Am I trying to convert you? (laughs) Not at all. When there is talk of religions of the world, Hinduism is clearly the oldest religion. The term Hinduism, in fact, is a foreign invention going back to the ancient Persians who used to call the land of India, the land of the Hindus, a geographical region on the other side of the Sindhu river. Perhaps a more appropriate name for the vision and the way of life that goes in the name of Hinduism is Sanatana Dharma, an eternal tradition, universal laws and principles that sustain society. People who try to understand Hinduism try to fit it into the mold of one God, one scripture, one representative, and one organization. And guess what? Hinduism breaks all the molds. It is an open tradition, a living civilization, a vibrant ocean that has several spiritual, religious insights, practices, rituals, meditations, woven into a vast culture. There are systematic teachings for all temperaments and all stages of life And require discipline and rigor like anything else. When did it begin? Just as you cannot trace the origin of physics to a given person or a given intellect, you cannot trace the origin of dharma to a particular person. Because it is a vision and a way of life, Hinduism is called sanatana dharma and there is no religious, spiritual divide. As Sanatana dharma, the teachings encompass all of human life and culture from medicine, pleasure, yoga, science, tantra, economy, maths, astrology, music, dance, theatre. Okay, I've lost my breath there and all the way to self-realization. It has the complexity of life itself which cannot be reduced to a formula, an equation or a method or a technique or one teaching. Just as one seed expresses itself and manifests as the roots, the bark, the branches, the leaves, the flowers and fruits, the inherent unity of it all expresses as the very divergent teachings that have been coexisting for centuries, with all the diversity that exists. If you are spiritual but not religious, what do you see when you look into the mirror of Hinduism? You see that you are inherently divine. You are pure being. When you look into the mirror of Hinduism, you see that living a life of universal values makes you happy. When you look into the mirror of Hinduism, you see yourself as a dynamic being with the powers to act, do and think every moment of your life. The reason you wanna keep looking at the mirror is really not for the sake of the mirror. It is for you to fulfill your spiritual purpose. Vedanta, the highest teachings of the Vedas, our Hindu scriptures, serve as word mirrors for us to see ourselves as conscious beings. In fact, consciousness itself that is limitless. If you are spiritual but not religious, you will appreciate that there are three pillars of Vedanta teaching. Shruti meaning the Vedas, Yukti, meaning logic and reason, and Anubhava, meaning direct recognition. Together, they are helpful in pointing to the reality of you, the individual, God or Ishvara, and the world. How do these work, you ask? Well, Shruti, also known as the Vedas, are revelations of God about absolute realities. If there is only a presentation of the scriptures, but no supportive logic, it will degenerate into blind belief. The second is yukti, which means reason and logic. The Vedanta tradition values logic and reason, and much of the teaching includes reasoning. In fact, many of our stories in the Upanishads are in the form of dialogues between teacher and student where the student has the right and the freedom to ask questions. There is no scope for beliefs because a belief is a statement of judgment without verification. A belief is a conclusion without any validation if there is only logic and no scriptures then all logic is susceptible to human error The third is anubhava which means direct recognition or validation of the truth for yourself Some so called guru can present his or her experiences his anubhava If there has been a direct recognition of the absolute reality but no scriptures or logic then it is just subjective experience, and we are swimming in the world of mysticism. A mystic can stun you with his or her experiences, but has no methodology or tools to communicate your reality to you. So as you see the three pillars of the teaching of Vedanta, which rest on Shruti, which are the revelations, Yukti, which is reason and logic, and Anubhava, which is direct recognition, all three are very important for crystal clear understanding and assimilation of the reality that you are. If you are spiritual but not religious, your journey of spirituality is complete only when you discover The completeness that you are. Anything less than that is a cop-out. If this is the only life we know, why would we settle for anything less? You matter. Your life matters. What you do with your life matters. Thanks for listening. I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about this episode, please email me or send me a voice message at swaminiji at discoveratma.com that is S-W-A-M-I-N-I-J-I at D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-A-T-M-A dot C-O-M and I will respond. If you can spare a minute to also leave a review or a rating on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you are listening to, I would be very grateful. Thank you again and see you next week.